0: It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. And guys, again, we're prepping along, going right through the list. Trying to find the biggest names in A&M history, putting them in a bracket because we all miss March Madness and deciphering who is the greatest Aggie player of all time. Now, before we begin, make sure you're following us on a couple of social media sites. First, at Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M content. You can check out all of our great audio work found at LockedOnPodcast.com. And second, if you like the show and you like me and you like what I've been doing or what I haven't been doing, just give me a quick follow at Mr. Cole Thompson. I I know that a lot of you are probably wondering, whether you're missing a third part of this story. Uh, No, I'm not. Unfortunately, due to some cutbacks that recently happened, due to some things that went on internally, uh, SI.com no longer will employ... All Aggies, that is no longer going to happen. But we are still going to keep up with our coverage for Texas A&M right here on the Locked on Aggies podcast. So don't worry. All you got to do is hit two like buttons instead of three. Simple, at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Why don't we give you a recap of what went down yesterday to see how we got to our second round, our mixed tenders is how I want to call it. These are guys I think definitely have the proof. Maybe they don't always have the stat line, whether it be at the college level or the NFL level, but I think they've done enough. In our first matchup, we saw, of course, Von Miller get the giant victory over Asa Lacy, the pitcher for AM right now. Second, Johnny Manziel clobbered, even though I made an argument against it, Alex Caruso, who now plays for the Los Angeles Lakers. And then in a closer matchup, Ross Stripling and Kevin Smith went at it, the cornerback from the 1980s, early 90s, would get the victory over the LA Dodgers pitcher. And in a surprise upset, both DeAndre Jordan and Travion Williams had one stellar year. I had to always include what they've done at the next level. DeAndre Jordan is a proven veteran. Travion Williams barely played last year. I thought both were great. But DeAndre Jordan gets the win. So, moving on into our first round bracket, you have Von Miller, Johnny Manziel, Kevin Smith, the three seed, and the number five seed, DeAndre Jordan, pulling the upset over Travion Williams. That was yesterday. Now here's today. Eight new men enter the arena. Eight new people, I should say, because there are two females on this list. Eight new players enter the arena, hoping to fight their way all the way to the national title game, which will be held at both... Kyle Field, and at Reed Arena, depending on how you want to put it. Yeah, that's right. We're going to just mix them all together and just have those be the locations. But coming in with the number one seed, Dan Nguyen. Number two, Miles Garrett. Number three, A.C. Law. Number four, Aaron Glenn. Number five, Darren Lewis. Number six, Michael Waka. Number seven, Jake Matthews. And number eight, and who we're going to start off with, John Kimbrough. So while we break this down about what Kimbrough means to Texas A&M and the twelfth man, honestly, there's not a lot to really go off of because of it was the 1930s. It wasn't a it wasn't a big time. College football was kind of just getting its footing, where a lot of fans started to really pick into the sport. They still were figuring out the mechanics of how the sport worked, but Kimbrough's a guy who definitely made his impact at A&M. I mean, you have to realize. Uh, he really was the leader of the 1939 National Championship team and that is the only A&M National Championship. So, he was the first Aggie to finish in the top 5 Heisman voting and did it back-to-back years. Like many players of this day, he played on both ways of the field. He was both a running back and he also was a safety. He intercepted six passes during that 1940 season as he would finish as the runner-up in voting for the Heisman. He was also fifth in voting in 1939. Uh, He was in the consensus All-American both in 1939 and 1940. He rushed for 152 yards and two touchdowns in the Sugar Bowl against Tulane to lock up the undefeated season and be named national champions. He would go on to be the number two pick by the then Chicago Cardinals, who originally would become later on the St. Louis Rams. And also, uh, Chicago also had another team that would become the Arizona Cardinals in the 1990 41 NFL draft. But he elected to serve in our armed forces instead. He joined the army as a pilot for the Pacific during World War II, and eventually he would come home and play three seasons with the Los Angeles Dons in the All-American Football Conference. This was again. This was when there was the AFC and then there was the NFC, the NFL. The AFL and the NFL. So that's how this car started. Kimbrough found more of a name for himself as a movie star. He actually ended up going to Hollywood, starring in two movies before joining the army. He briefly served as a Texas legislator from 1953 to 1955, before finally retiring and settling home as a rancher in his hometown of Haskell, Texas. There's a lot to like about Kimbrough as the one upset because of when you look at his history, he's a Heisman contender, he's an All-American he's done everything asked of him, he was a movie star, he was on the big screen, I mean I mean, he was in the movie Lone Star Ranger, he was the star of that movie, so there's a lot to like about a movie star who makes their name in football, we've seen it before, guys like Burt Reynolds, uh, you also got uh, Terry Crews, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Kimbrough's kind of the, the pioneer for it, but it's hard to argue that Dat Nguyen is not the greatest A&M player in the history of college football, at least for the program, if not at least the greatest defender in Texas A&M history. These are just a few of his stats and accolades that he had. 517 tackles, 6 interceptions, 2 touchdowns. He was a 1998 unanimous All-American. He also took home multiple awards that same year, including the Chuck Bernardic, the Lombardi Award. He was also the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. A three-time first-team All-Big 12 member, part of the Texas A&M Hall of Fame, part of the College Football Hall of Fame, and also was voted by the AP All-Big 12 team. You would be hard to find another better top player, than Dat Wing in A&M. The program has become known for their defense, especially at the linebacker and pass rushing position because of what he did in four seasons. He is the only Aggie to lead the team in tackles for four consecutive years. That means when he arrived as a freshman, he already was better than most of the linebackers at the position to where he was able to move up and become a starter day one but he also led the team every single year. His magical senior season will forever be remembered, not just for his the insane amount of tackles he put up. This is a crazy stat line. He had 517 total tackles in his career. He had 147 during that season alone. 20 tackles for loss, 4 sacks, 2 interceptions, or any of the awards that he won. He also helped AM catch their only Big 12 championship win, and it's the only BCS, uh, their only BCS Bowl appearance in the Sugar Bowl that same season. He was drafted in the third round by the Dallas Cowboys in 1999. He played seven years with the team until a neck injury derailed the rest of his career, which could have led to him being a solid addition to the NFL team for his time in the NFL. New England play in 90 games. He'd make 515 total tackles. 402 of them came solely. He also recorded four forced fumbles, uh, six fumble recoveries. He also had six total sacks and seven interceptions from the weak side linebacker position. Overall, Kimbrough will be a name because of one brought them a title to College Station. The other one brought them a... Let's see, consistency to College Station, Nguyen gets the win. I mean, like, it's that simple. You don't lead your team in tackles every year since you were a freshman and not move on. And that's why he's a number one seed and why I do think he will be in the running for the title of greatest Aggie of all time. One down, three to go, there's still some names that we could decide, still some names that definitely people are going to be interested in, again, I take these polls on Twitter and I keep those into consideration, but when I look at Wing, it was a given deal, who are the other three that will be joining him in the quarterfinals? We'll be breaking that down in just a quick moment. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me ask you a serious question. Do you enjoy great podcasting found by great podcasters who understand what they're talking about and know exactly the sport they are covering? If so, why not give Locked On Podcast a try? There's over 2 dozen college sports shows plus the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, and fantasy sports that definitely will keep your mind at ease during COVID-19 process. Trust me, we're all going to get through this together, but make sure you check out all of our great podcasts and all of our sister podcasts here at LockedOnPodcast.com. Moving right along in our bracket for greatest Aggie of all time, it's simple. We have one of the best pass rushers in A&M history going up against one of the best pass protectors in A&M history. Who wins the battle in the trenches while we start breaking it down? Number 7C, Jake Matthews. If you know the name Matthews and you are a football fan, that's pretty common why the Matthews family is one of the greatest college sports and NFL programs that have ever lived in the family realm of Dual threat player sports, Bruce Matthews' son, Kevin Matthews, went to A&M before his younger brother, Jake Matthews, would become a star out in Aggieland. He started in 49 of 52 possible games during his four-year stint. He was a thir- uh, consensus first-team All-American. He finished as an All-SEC member in 2012 and for t- 13. He was a 2012 second and third team All-American uh, by various outlets. He also won the Big Ten Fresh Big Twelve Freshman Year of the Award during his 2010 season. When you look at what he's done, he was originally selected by Mike Sherman, um, yeah, Mike Sherman staff- yeah, Mike Sherman staff, and then eventually would continue that success with Kevin Sumlin. He played for both, and he started in ten games as a true freshman, then every game as a sophomore, and then started in every single game. During his career with um, Sumlin during 2012 and 13, a lot of people remember him as the blindside protector for um, for Johnny Manziel. He also played a little bit of right tackle during that time because of Luke Jokel, who was the left tackle at the time and never really made himself anything unfortunately at the next level but then you had you know Matthews they were the two bookends and A&M kind of went on a run after that when you look at offensive tackles because it started with Jokel and then it went to Matthews and then it went to Abwehi, and then it went to Fetty they all kind of played that tackle bookend positions who really helped their quarterback succeed but I do think that Matthews is the best one of it he was drafted in the second round Uh, I mean, the first round with the sixth overall pick in the 2014 NFL Draft. He was taken one pick sooner than fellow teammate Mike Evans and uh, 18 picks sooner than Johnny Manziel. Since then, he's enjoyed a very nice career as the left tackle for the Atlanta Falcons. He stayed with the team his entire career. Uh, He recently got a five-year extension. I think it was two years ago. This will be year three. And he made a Pro Bowl appearance in 2018. Matthews is that versatile piece that you want on your offensive line because of say You have a guy who's really good at run blocking but struggles in the pass protection Well, you know, you're going to be able to play Matthews at that left tackle spot and find a way to make it work on the right side Let's also look at it from the opposite angle. Say you have a really great pass protector and a quality run stopper kind of like Matthews Well, now you can decide what side you want to play either on and they will have success Matthews is one of those few players that when you look at, spent one year at the left tackle position and has made a career out of it in the NFL. 90% of the time you see those guys who spent a lot of their years on the right side and go back to the right side in the NFL. That's not the case with Matthews. But then again, we're looking at this just because of why not. This is a tough matchup. He got to see him in college because they were teammates for just a little bit. But Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is a guy who, when we look back 30 years from now, could be the greatest AM pass rusher to ever live. If he can stay healthy and if he can stay out of trouble, which I have no doubt that he'll stay out of trouble because of he is nothing short of just a great guy from everything I've ever heard about him. He played in 34 games, tallying 141 tackles, 47 tackles for losses and a 31, point, uh, 31 sacks. He also had one interception and seven forced fumbles. In his first year with the Aggies, he was he collected 11 sacks. His second year with the Aggies, he collected 11.5 sacks. He actually took a step back his senior year, but his ability to disrupt the run made him easily the most terrifying defensive player we've seen since Jadavian Clowney in that same draft as Matthews. Two Three years later, you have Miles Garrett 2.0. I mean, Jadavian Clowney 2.0 coming to the league in Miles Garrett. He was drafted with the first overall selection by the Cleveland Browns in 2017. He would also become the highest draft pick ever in Texas A&M history. Since then, he's had a pretty stellar career, Uh, And it would have been probably even better if it wasn't for an incident that hurt him earlier this offseason. He played in 37 games. He's made 35 starts. He has 104 tackles, 74 single tackles, 35 sacks, 30 tackles for losses. He also has six forced fumbles and one fumble recovery. He also made the Pro Bowl in 2018 and likely would have made it again in 2019. If not for the incident, we're going to discuss right now. Unfortunately, there comes with now this negative light towards Garrett because of what happened late in November of last year. Garrett would strike quarterback Mason Rudolph of the Pittsburgh Steelers with his helmet after being told that he was called a racial slur. Everyone that I've spoken to since then has come out and said it doesn't seem like that is true. It doesn't seem like it's something that, you know, is very believable, but, you know, in the end, you know, it's a subject of race, and it's a subject that is a problem in today's society. So that kind of gives him a red flag, just, just for me personally. But I look at the pass-rushing ability that Garrett was able to produce at. I look at all the things that he was able to create for himself. Garrett wins. Jake Matthews, they both have one Pro Bowl under their year. Matthews is versatile, but he's also had some struggles in the NFL at times. You look at his sack numbers, they've gotten better every year, and they would have been, I think, higher than 13.5 this season if they would not have let him, if the suspension would not have cost Garrett the rest of the season. So, Garrett moves on with Newing Those are our two front runners. Who are going to be our back two that make it into the quarterfinals? We'll break those down in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. Both of our sites will definitely do our power to give you the best quality content surrounding everything Texas A&M. So go give us a listen at LockedOnPodcast.com. Moving right along, we're continuing our bracket busters. We already know that Dat Wing and, of course, Miles Garrett will be going to the quarterfinals, but who will be joining them? I take a look at two different players, both having success at AM, both having success at their professional levels. Why don't we start with the number six seed, and that's Michael Walker. Michael Walker was an enrollee at AM where he played three years under college baseball under Rob Childress. At this point, he stood six foot five tall, weighing 180 pounds and his fastball could reach at least at a two-seam at 84 miles an hour, but his four-seamer could reach 88 miles an hour. During his freshman campaign, he made 10 starts and 25 total appearances, posting a 2.90 ERA and a 9-2 record. Walker also registered 97 strikeouts and 22 walks and 105 in a third innings pitched. His nine wins ranked fifth and his 2.9 ERA Ranked sixth in the Big 12 Conference. During his sophomore year, Walker posted a 9 4 record in 16 starts with 123 strikeouts, just 20 walks, and a 2.29 ERA. And later on that same year, he would go ahead and lead AM with Rob Childress' roster to their first College World Series appearance of their two in the 2010 decade. He would be drafted in the first round of the 2000 MLB draft, originally supposed to go to the Los Angeles Angels, but when Albert Pujols signed a deal to go out to L.A., that pick was given to the St. Louis Cardinals, where he would spend, uh, I believe it was six years with the team, Most people remember him for his heroics in the 2013 NLDS and NLCS playoffs when you see what he was able to do in the elimination game against Pittsburgh. He went seven and a third innings of work. He allowed one hit, which was a home run and two walks due to -to back-to-back one hit performances to close out the year. Matheny would name him the game two starter in the NLCS. In that game, he outdueled Clayton Kershaw going six and two thirds innings in a 1-0 victory. Uh, it would be just his 11th start in his career, which would mean he would join Bob Gibson as the only pitcher in franchise history to strike out at least 8 batters while yielding 1 or no runs in consecutive postseason appearances. But it was his Game 6 9 Nothing victory because of the offense that ended up having him become a household name. Uh, he would go seven innings, allowing just two hits. He won uh, both of his starts and held the bat, the Dodgers batting average to a 1.49. Um, two walks and 13 strikeouts and 13 scoreless innings. He was earned and named the NLCS MVP. Of course, we know how that story ends. Boston would defeat the uh, Cardinals that year. He then played for the team from 2014 to 2019. He was an all-star in 2015, and then he signed a one-year deal to join the New York Mets last offseason. So whenever baseball returns, we will see him in his new environment. Coming in at the number three seed, AC Law. Nicknamed Captain Clutch for his ability to take over a game late, Law was best known for the uh, for what fans called the Shot in Reed Arena on March first 2006 but we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later he would come from Kimball high school during his first year with AM. he started in 12 of 27 games including 10 of the last 11 uh, he averaged 3.9 per per game and he led all freshmen in conference he scored 7.5 points per game in the final 10 games of the season he was aver- averaging double digit points following the 2003-2004 season Melvin Watkins was replaced by Billy Gillespie out of UTEP Everything kind of paid off for Law to be able to stay with the program. The team improved from 7-21 and 21 to 21-10, and 10, winning half of their conference games. Law started in 30 games, earning a spot in the Big 12's All-Improved Team. It was an honorable mention of Big 12 Honors. He made 49.3% of his shots from the field, 38.4% of his shots from behind the arc, and converted 71.6% of his free throws. He also had a team-best 153 assists. But it was his junior year that everything kind of really started clicking for him. He was one of only four players in A&M history to reach the 1,000 career points record with 300 assists and 100 steals. He led the team in scoring, averaging 16.1 points per game and 17.3 points per game in Big 12 play. Uh, everyone knows, of course, the buzzer. He was able to get that game-winning three against uh, Texas uh, Texas uh, inside of Reed Arena to give them a 46-43 victory. He was named the Big 12 Player of the Week. He also helped Texas A&M defeat Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse on February 3, 2007. That was a feat that had never been done before by A&M. Due to his contributions to the program, his jersey was hung uh, up in the rafters of reno Arena. He's the first Aggie in any sport to have his number not technically retired, but it is to be remembered honorably. He was drafted with the 11th overall pick in the 2007 NBA draft by the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, he was later traded in 2009 to the Golden State Warriors. Later that year, he would be traded to the Charlotte Bobcats, then traded along to the Chicago Bulls, then traded along to Memphis before returning to Golden State for his final two years of his career. He then would play a little bit over in Europe. I look at this, and for this reason alone, I give it to this player. Michael Walker's jersey number is not hanging at Bluebell Park. It's not. AC's Laws is. So for that reason alone, AC Law gets the win. Last one, we're going to go break down. We have two final numbers for it. Darren Lewis versus Aaron Glenn. Both these guys had great careers on the football field, but will the defensive back beat the running back? Let's find out. Lewis, nicknamed the Tank, is not only one of the best running backs in school history, but he's also one of the better college football running backs in the you know nation overall. Uh, he Tank really was key to the 1987 South Week Championship production, uh, where he had his second and third best rushing school titles in season history, tallying exact identical rushing totals of 600 1,691 yards and 1,692 yards. That record's only been broken by one other player, and that was Travion Williams in 2018. Lewis's career rushing attempts and yards are number one in school history, and he ranks number two in rushing touchdowns. Unfortunately, life for the man after AM has not been positive. He tested positive for cocaine during the NFL combine and slid down draft boards. He eventually would go to be drafted by the Chicago Bears in the 6th round. Though uh, he never really had that great of a career with Chicago. He struggled with addiction and was released uh, by the Bears after being arrested with a battery and assault charges and right now he is currently serving a 25 to 30 year prison sentence for armed robbery. So, the end of a career for a really solid player kind of ends on a sour note. Meanwhile, when you look at Aaron Glenn, he had nine career interceptions, two returns for touchdowns, 33 pass deflections, 19 uh, punt returns, 383 yards, and two touchdowns on special teams. He was a consensus All American in 1993. Uh, first team All Southwest Conference in 1992. Uh, he also is in the Texas Hall of F- Texas A&M Hall of Fame. And he was the runner-up for the Jim Thorpe Award in 1993. He was a premier cover corner, and he only spent two seasons with A and M. But his difference-making allowed the team to uh, win the Southwest Conference Championship in both 1992 and in 1993. He'd go on to be the number 12 overall pick by the New York Jets in the 1994 NFL Draft. He played in 15 seasons in the NFL from 1994 to 2008 and made the Pro Bowl and All-Pro teams three different times. He had 41 career interceptions, six forced fumbles, and eight defensive touchdowns. Uh, The biggest thing that you can tell tell if you are a Texas fan overall is he was part of the original Houston Texans roster. He was one of those guys who stuck around for three extra seasons, joining the new and improved Houston team that eventually left from Tennessee to come back. That's where he ended his career. Uh, he had one brief stop, I think, in Seattle after that. And after, but it was Houston was his main stop. Uh, good for him to regenerate his career. I look at this and... You have an all-time leader in rushing in our number four seed, Darren Lewis. But you have Aaron Glenn, who was productive at both levels and never got in trouble. For that reason alone, I'm going Aaron Glenn as the five seed over the four seed. Lewis, and it's going to be the same thing with Johnny Manziel. You want to represent AM in the most positive light. And as great as a player as you were, you may be the greatest athlete of all time, but are you the greatest Aggie of all time? That's another thing. I can't feel comfortable moving Lewis any further than here because if he's in jail, for he's on a 25-30 to 30 year jail sentence. What would that say to AM people? Nothing. So for that reason, alone, i got to go with Aaron Glenn. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. But, hey... While you're here, there's still draft coverage going around, so go check out Locked On NFL Draft and Draft Dudes with Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Both already work covering the NFL for Locked On Podcast Network, and they have an excellent extra podcast. So go ahead and listen to them there tomorrow. Another round, another day, another eight players go into the ring, hoping to find one lucky winner. We'll be breaking those down tomorrow. We'll see you then, and remember, give me all. This has been Locked On Aggie. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.